going? No, man, you got the right classroom. Come on in, take a seat beside me, my friend. Hey, look, here come T.A. Charlie. Let's see what he got to say. Morning, you're watching The Road to Concord with Professor Joe Bakanovic. Homeroom is on Rumble. You just go to Rumble and search the channels for The Road to Concord. It's one word. When you find it, you go ahead and you click follow. Might mean you got to set up an account, but it's fast. It's easy and it's free. I did it. You can do it. For those technologically challenged members of the class, you can catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. And sometimes on YouTube, but that ain't going to be today. That's mostly just Wednesday. Then you can catch the podcast after the show. It's uploaded to Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Just look for The Road to Concord. You can go to the blog page. That's roadtoconcord.com. That's where you'll find all your show notes, study notes, and handouts for the class. Finally, you can email the professor at joe at com. He's a little slow right now, but he'll eventually get around to emailing you back. Yeah, we got one in there. We'll get back to you. Phones are on today, 229-469-0335, but only for registered numbers. We only accept calls from regular known listeners. If you wish to call in, you must be a known class member that has participated in the chats on a regular basis. You may then request phone access through an email. If you find our classes helpful, please click the thumbs up, like, subscribe, and share it with those you think could benefit from it. Warn them, Joe is an acquired taste. Yes, he is. This show is listener-sponsored, meaning we do not solicit business advertising, so we are not limited in the content we provide for y'all. With that said, we ask for your participation on a value-for-value basis. If you find our show of value to you, you provide an equivalent portion of your labor and treasure through the donut link on the Road to Concord blog page, the show description on Rumble, and in the comments on the other stream. It wasn't donuts this morning. No, it was... Hey, we all know T.A. Charlie isn't all there. Now, just stay seated and give it a chance. You'll soon realize we not might be the smartest, but we each independently form opinions based on reason and logic. We're free thinkers. Let's see what the road to Concord with Professor Joe Bakanovic has on the lesson plan for today. No, Marianne, no donuts, cinnamon rolls, <laughs> fresh baked, and Charlie brought Charlie made them and brought them and shared them and ate more than I did. <laughs> so Charlie's the one that's probably going to be bouncing off the walls today. And they were good. <laughs> they were good. They were really good. Yeah. Round as a shape, folks. I have to get in shape. Round as a shape. I'm in it. So you know, don't tell Natasha I'm trying to eat myself to death before the apocalypse comes. She you think get... I don't already know that? <laughs> All right, Natasha. <laughs> bloop, bloop. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> One of these days, we're going to have to send people a link to that stupid video. Have we already done that before? Yeah, yeah we did. Yes, we, we've, we've uh, put the unicorn video up there. <laughs> Rot their poor and brain. And if you watched it, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um. There was a request on the board yesterday, Charlie, that they wanted us to put all of uh, Wednesday's shows into one little channel, and we done that, done did it, done did it that. Yeah, the playlist is created. The link will be up in the uh, comments here momentarily. Yep, and it'll be on YouTube. Uh, and that's pretty much the only thing we use YouTube for. And we're still getting YouTube yelling at us saying, "Hey, you know, you're using copyright material." I said, "Yes, but it's fair use. We're doing it correctly by the law." There, YouTube. So, anyhow. They still have the videos up. 
they didn't silence them. So they, there you go. There's the link. There's a the link folks. I appreciate that. Also, um, hmm, well, let's just get into the day's show. It's founders Friday, right? We're supposed to talk about the founding fathers. Well, we're sort of kind of gonna, but it's going to take a while to get there. It's also fallacy Friday where we talk about logic. Mm, well, we're going to kind of do an applied logic class today. So buckle up, buttercups. This one might be a little bit on the rough side for some of us. <sighs> Perspective is everything. We've all heard this before, but how many of us actually stop to think about this? Because what perspective is everything means depends on your perspective. Yeah, I know. Kind of silly, right? Mm, yeah and no. So let me ask you, is the tree line near or far away? I guess it depends on what you're looking through, right? Uh, is the city blurry or in focus, but upside down? Perspective again, right? Is the Eiffel Tower big or little? Again, depends on your perspective, correct? And how many of us actually stop to think about that? Because we've got some people who've gotten a little crazy with this type of thinking. We're going to go over that today. We've got folks that perspective is what shapes reality. Now, <clears throat> this is the first point where I want to stop. We have a lot, lot, lot of people in this world that actually believe this now. They, they think this is true, that your perspective shapes reality. Does it? Here's the problem. Depending on how you're looking at it, this is both true and false at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. this is going to be a philosophy day, which falls in line with, you know, fallacy Friday and logic. <laughs> Evelyn, I can talk just fine. I'm trying not, not, not to say bad things. She says, brought that in right when I was clicking the button. Yeah. Sailor son says I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Yes, actually don't get ahead of the lesson plan. Sailor son, give him 10 pages of an essay. <laughs> so perspective is reality, correct? Well, I don't know. You have to distinguish different perspectives. Reality be, can, can be complete. Um, let me blow that up for you so you can read it. See, reality can be so complex that equally valid observations from different perspectives can appear to be contradictory. Appear. That's called a paradox. That doesn't mean it's an actual contradiction. So if you're watching the board and you're looking at the board, this is a visual optical illusion here with, um, for the guy on the left, there's four sticks or four planks. For the individual on the right says, no, there's three. They're both correct, depending on how they're looking at it. This is not the simplistic little thing a lot of people think it is, this idea of perspective. That's the whole point of today's class. We've heard me use this one before. Our life experiences give us each a unique perspective. If we don't talk and explain our vantage points, we never understand one another. And this is the idea of somebody who you got a whole bunch of people looking at an elephant. Guy got a hold of the tusk. He says, it's a spear. You know, they're all blindfolded. You got a guy who's got a hold of the end of the trunk. He says, no, it's a snake. There's a lady feeling on the leg and says, it's a tree. And there's a guy up there on top of it playing with the ears. He goes, it's a fan. The guy up on a ladder feeling the side. He goes, it's a wall. And then there's a guy with the tail and he goes, it's a rope. 
Mm, this is actually a very good illustration of how we look at the world. When they tell you that you, you know, there's no objective reality, what they're doing is they're just happy with what they're feeling on that objective reality. So they're, they're telling you, ah, oh, it's a spear because I don't want to look at anything else. I don't want to listen to the guy playing with the ear, or the guy playing with the trunk or the woman feeling on the leg. I'm happy with the spear. What you're finding when you hear somebody who says that there's no such thing as objective reality, you're dealing with a weak mind who thinks it's smarter than it is. That, I, I know that's rough, but that's exactly what we're dealing with. Because when you look at this picture, the truth of the matter is there is an elephant. And if these people never want to explore past the part of the elephant they're looking at, that is the reality of elephant for each and every one of them. And it always will be for the rest of their lives. This, you have got to explore the world you live in and you have got to expand your mind. Otherwise, you're going to get happy. Well, maybe you'll deal with a little bit more of it. Okay, I got the front end of the elephant, so I know he's a spear snake fan. Well, you got to keep looking, man. You have to. Otherwise, it's like it says down there, you never understand each other. And when we don't understand each other, what ends up happening? Fighting, right? <clears throat> says, no, it's this. No, it's that. No, it's this. And you got to beat each other up. You're not going to, there's no way to make peace in that. Because, you know, you're absolutely positive that the, the elephant is just a snake. And you're absolutely positive that, no, it's a rope. Well, if it was a rope, why do we call it an elephant? Or if it's a snake, why do we call it an elephant? Why don't we call it a snake? Because the fact is, reality does exist. So those people who try to tell you otherwise, and your perspective doesn't shape your reality Unless you're looking from it, unless you're looking at the issue from the limited perspective of some of these people in this picture. All I want to look at is this tusk. I don't want to do the work to see the rest of the elephant. So for that person, the reality is that an elephant is a spear and it always will be. That person is forever handicapped and crippled. They're going to be fragile in this world. They're not going to be very grounded. So you got to keep looking, man. You also have to understand that this, this is true for other people. When two totally opposite points of view can be right at the same time, but totally misinformed at the same time. Yes. See, if the light is shined, uh, shown on this object, if you can't see the chalkboard today, we're looking at a, a piece of a cylinder. If I shine the light from 90 degrees on from one angle, the shadow is going to make a square. If I shine a light on it from the other angle, the shadow is going to make a circle. Well, that's, you know, from the angle you're looking at it one way, yes, it's a square. This is back to our elephant again. If I shine the light on it from the other, it's going to be a circle. In reality, it's a three-dimensional object. It's a piece, it's a, it's a can type shape. It's a piece of a rod. It's got... You know, it's, 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 it's more than what you think it is, which means you're misinformed. This is just another, this is another way of saying this. See, it's all about perspectives. This is one of those situations. This is one of those subjects that a lot of people, they'll ditch me. They, they don't want to listen to this type of a conversation, but this is one of those conversations that can actually improve and grow your life. It, this is philosophy. 
This is, we are doing philosophy today, folks. That's what this class is. We are going to actually do philosophy. And this is one of these areas where I cannot teach you something like on a chalkboard. This is one of those ones where I've got to start showing it to you and hope that it just starts to gel in your head. It either will or it won't. And it'll all depend on whether or not your perspective on this class is, oh, this is interesting or, oh, this is boring. Oh, I want to work on this or, oh, I'm just going to, you know, heck with it. That's all up to you. It's all perspective. So we can have this perspective of depending on what angle you look at the elephant, depends on what you see, depending on what end of, of this little piece of cylinder you have here, depends on what you see. So if you're happy with the little part of the elephant you're looking at, you're still misinformed about the greater extent of reality of the elephant. If you're happy with one angle of the cylinder, you're still misinformed about the true nature of a cylinder. And this is part of the problem that we have. The Republicans are happy to just look at it their way. Democrats are happy to look at it their way. You know, this religion and that religion, they, they don't want to look. This is one of the things I run into with Christians all the time. Oh, I don't want to read that. I don't want to consider that. I don't want to listen to that. That goes against what I know to be true. Do you really know it's true then? You, you didn't look at it. How do you know what, what you believe is actually true if you don't look at a possible competing idea or a way of looking at something? You have to look at that. Otherwise, you're stuck looking at just one part of the elephant. You don't know for sure that you're seeing the elephant clearly. And that can cripple you for the rest of your life. But perspective at the same time can affect what you see. Is it a rough vase candle holder type thing or is it two faces looking at each other? All depends on how you look at it. Now, for a lot of us, we can bounce back and forth. But there are some of these Rorschach type images that people can see one image but not the other and ai is actually pretty good at this they'll design images where there's two or three or four things in the image which ones can you see a lot of it has to do with the elasticity of your mind how you know how free thinking are you are you a rock thinker wind thinker water thinker you know we've talked about that before and then perspective can also affect the way you feel. This is perspective. So much of happiness depends on how we choose to look at the world. And looking at the world is a choice. So notice, you know, you got these people driving along the side of a, of a valley. And one guy's looking at the mountain and it's all dark and rocky and he's just depressed because there's nothing pretty to look at. And the lady on the other side, she's looking out over the valley, looking out over the sunny, scent, you know, pretty scenery. He could turn and look the other way. He chooses not to. That is that character's choice right there. Perspective is in your control in a lot of way, a lot of cases. Sometimes it's not. But in most cases, the perspective that shapes reality, that part of perspective, you know, perspective shapes reality. Every reality depends on your perspective. That type of perspective is this right here. You can choose this. When that is true, when perspective does shape your reality, that is always a choice. It is always a choice. But perspective doesn't always shape reality. Sometimes reality exists whether you choose to see it or not. So if I'm going to only see the tusk on the elephant, that's still a choice. I still had a bigger picture to look at and I chose not to. That's on me. But most of us will turn around and blame it on our circumstances or on other people. Like I said, 
if you don't understand perspective and how to deal with it, what it is and how you should deal with it, how do you react to it, it can cripple you. And then you're going to get depressed and all mopey and everything when all you have to do is turn around and go the other way. You know, repent. And no, I'm not talking religion here in this particular case. I mean, repent of, of your bad choices in life. It does make an effect, man. It, it, it has an effect on your life. Here's another one. It's all about perspective. The guy's on the island, right? He sees a guy coming on a boat. He says, a boat, I'm saved. The guy on the boat's been floating around for weeks. He sees the land. He goes, oh, land, I'm saved. You know, grass is always greener, right? It's all about perspective, right? It all depends on, in, in this case, this case here is what you choose to do. This case here is what, it's what you choose to make of what you have. Okay, this is be happy with what you got. So the guy on the island, he's all ticked off because he's stranded on the island, but at least he's alive. The guy on the boat, he, he, he knows that it's a matter of time for him. He just wants land. And by the way, th this actually goes to something Charlie and I were talking about earlier today. When he comes down from heaven and he puts one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. You, you know what that's representative of in scripture, right? One foot on life and the other foot on death and chaos. Life and law, death and chaos. But we'll cover that next Tuesday. <laughs> That's just a quick rabbit for you. Here's another perspective. Deaths in America. 99.4% of other causes. 0.6% are murders. Murders in America. 99.8% of murders. Only 0.2% of those murders in a mass shooting. Okay, so that's 0.2% of the murders of all deaths. So that's 0.2% of 0.6% of how many people in the country die every year. That's that right there is a big perspective that they, the, the peep, some people manipulate on purpose to push an agenda. And if all you're going to focus on is mass murder, another 10 people were shot today. Yeah. Now put it into proper perspective. Yes, it's a horrible incident. I'm not downplaying that. Don't get me wrong. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about perspective because it'll get pushed as though we're all going to die from mass shootings from AR-15s. And that is not the case. But we will make a decision as a society based on a distorted perspective, a perspective that has been intentionally distorted to suit a political agenda. Do you think if they, if the, every time there was a mass shooting, if the media came on and showed you this picture and explained it, do you think they would have as much of a push for gun control as they do? It'd be harder to get that out of the public because people would see this and go, oh, wow, that ain't nothing. And they wouldn't care. So they distort your perspective on purpose because then they can get you to act on that because you're going to think it's reality. This is a case right here of, the true reality of things does depend on how you look at them. This is a case of, are you looking at the bigger picture? And then we could put this even, even bigger picture to what aim is your political agenda? And then bigger than that, to what aim is your worldview and how does your political agenda fit into it? And even bigger to what aim is your worldview fit into your faith, your theology? Well, I'm an atheist. I don't have, yes, you do. And your worldview is driven by your theology and your theology drives your political agenda and your political agenda drives how you look at this particular picture.
perspective is driven by perspective is driven by perspective. But that doesn't mean there's not an actual objective reality behind all of it. it. Just means whether or not you choose to try and find it. This is the search for capital T truth that we're talking about, folks. That right there is perspective. Arbeit mach frei. It's Auschwitz, I think. It's Auschwitz or Dachau. It's one of the two. This is work will make you free. Slavery will make you free. Depending on whether or not you accept the paradigm, yeah, it will. It's all a perspective. It's all perspective, folks. All of it. That's perspective, too. You got four people looking at a tree. You got a little kid looks at the tree and he thinks tree. You got a lumberjack looking at the tree and he thinks, oh, I can cut that down and sell the lumber. You got a businessman looking at the tree and he says, he's produced lumber. He's processed the trunk, the tree trunks that he got from the lumberjack. And then you see an artisan down there and he sees furniture in the tree because he's going to process the, the lumber that the businessman made from the tree trunks. Well, that, that just shows the evils of capitalism, Joe. If I make a tr if I make furniture, I got no trees. Well, maybe you go back. This is the circle of life here, folks, just going counterclockwise. So maybe the kid likes the tree and he plants another one so he can have more trees. Or maybe the lumberjack realizes, hey, you know, it's a crop. If I harvest it, I got to replant it. So we're going to quit cutting down trees because we need trees. And we're going to get all greeny weeny here. We're going to quit cutting down trees because that's the only perspective we see. And look what we've done in the process. If we quit cutting down trees, we make the little kid happy. But we've put the lumberjack, the businessman, and the artisan out of business. And somehow or another, we're all just going to give each other what we need according to our needs and, and our abilities. Well, you've just put the three people who have ability out of work. So what we're all going to have to do is sit around and look at the tree. Because nobody has anything and there's nothing to give and share. It's because you interrupted the natural flow of things. It's all perspective. It's all perspective. And I see this is renewable energy. Yes, it is renewable energy as well. You know what I see? Global cooling. Because if I plant more of these little trees, I can reduce the carbon in the atmosphere and cool the atmosphere. That's right. You should get carbon credits for this. You see, it's all perspective, folks. It's all about what it is you choose to do with what you have. All point of view. Is that a, a, a really weird picture of a man eating something? You know, standing there at a table or whatever? Or is that a woman's face? I don't know. It's up to you. You decide. So is reality subjective? Is there a red pill or a blue pill or is there a, something in between? Subjective means, you know, depends on your point of view. Does reality really depend on your point of view? Well, this is not one of those cases this time where it's all depending on your perspective. This is going to depend on whether or not you accept the truth. Now we're going to get into the capital T truth discussion part of this. What do you see here? I'll blow this one up for you. Is the man carrying the woman or is the woman carrying the man? And there is a definitive answer to this question. I'll give you a second. Look at the picture. Now, you see the man's left arm, right? Can you find his right hand? His right hand's underneath her buttocks. So who's actually carrying who? He's carrying her. But it's, it's an optical illusion. When you first look at it, it looks like she's carrying him. You have to look closer. Your perspective might be that, okay, well, she's carrying the guy. That's not the reality. You can find the truth if you look. 
what this is is a case is he's carrying her underneath his right arm like she was a load of books and she's holding on to his chest which makes it look like she's carrying him but she isn't i'm describing it for the sake of those who listen to our podcast but it makes all the di- perspective makes all the difference in the world yes and no but if i were to walk around this picture to the other side it would become very clear that's what um we mean by getting off your center in the martial arts they call it getting off your center in, in other words don't look straight at your opponent move either side to side or or pivot yourself it, it makes you a harder target it makes you you know gives you more options in defending yourself or attacking your target whatever but if you get off your center when you're looking at a problem or you're trying to understand something in this life getting off your center means move look at it from a different perspective do it on purpose do it intentionally choose to look at it differently you might see it more clearly get a different perspective but what this picture proves to us is that where our perspective might tell us one thing if we look closer we might realize that it's actually something entirely different and if there were six of us watching this let's say we've got um eight let's do eight because we're martial arts right there's eight points of the of attack from the martial arts you got north south east west then you got northeast and east and northeast and north by northeast or east north whatever you know you got eight points on a compass so if we have eight people looking at this only one of them is going to have the chance to think that it's the woman carrying the man everybody else is going to know no it's the man carrying a woman but even the one who's standing 90 degrees to his left at his nine o'clock position on the clock even that person if they look closely enough will know that yep he's carrying the woman but if i were to move around to the other seven points of the compass i'd see it very clearly so sometimes by adjusting your perspective or looking for other people's opinions and positions and points of view you'll get the image a lot more clearly you'll get closer to the actual truth i've got a member of this class that likes to tell me sometimes and he doesn't put it this way because he's much too kind and gracious but I'll, I'll boil it down for you. He says, Joe, shut up. Quit talking so much. Listen more. He, you might understand things better. <laughs> He's right. He's wrong. <laughs> and he knows that. We've had that discussion before. But that's what we're talking about. Find a different perspective. Look at it from a different position. Charlie, the people who should be listening to us today are doing what they normally do. <laughs> unfortunately everyone has their own point of view and it hinders them from seeing the point of view of others oh boy oh boy um this this brings up a passage of scripture that we're going to get to later in the show today if we could only learn to look through others eyes walk a mile in their shoes what is truth if you can't see the picture, this is Punch's pilot from the movie Chosen, I think, or is this, um, I don't know if this is Chosen or if this is from The Passion. I don't remember, but it's from one of the better movies. I think this might be from The Passion. But this is Pilate, and he's asking Jesus, what is truth? Pilate, in that passage, is he's not being flippant. It was a flippant comment, but he's not being flippant. Pilate was basically saying, from what perspective do I look at these things? Well, let's... Let's dive into this a little bit. 
Here's a graph of perspective from the educator's point of view. Now, if you can't see the chalkboard today, there is no way for me to explain this hodgepodge mess. This is a jumbled mess of garbledygook. And it's all types of different schools of teaching and education and thinking and ideology. And here's the problem. Each and every one of these people, you know, if, if you're an administrator of education, this is the problem you're dealing with. Because each one of the people under you all sees the whole pie from that perspective alone. They don't try to integrate it. So the person who tries to integrate this mess that's on the chalkboard, boy, do they have a problem on their hands. It might look like chaos. There's still a reality here. There is still an underlying ultimate reality here. Here's another one. This is a picture of the Marxist's view of society. The Marxist sees the bourgeoisie control, uh, the bourgeoisie control institutions and maintains wealth and power through ideological control. So in this, I'll try to explain it. It says you have privatized nuclear family, legitimates passing down wealth to children. Then you have education teaches the myth of meritocracy, myth of meritocracy. And then you have the media keeps out ideas harmful to the elites, protects their world. And then you have the police victimize the working class and ignore the elites crime. And all of it is meant to keep the proletariat powerless by ideological control. So that's the communist way of looking at things. You, you understand if I change the, from the communist point of view, this is reality. You realize if I stand back from this and I look at what I actually see in the world, that would mean that the communists are actually the bourgeoisie, not the proletariat. Because th as I see it, this is what happens. Everything he blames on the bourgeoisie, you know, the haves, is exactly what the communists in power do to the people. Their 180-degree rule. But this is what the communist sees as true. Now, I would say he's delusional. Well, how do I know between the two? Okay, well, that's real easy. If I'm a Marxist, this is how I see the problem right here on this picture. But this picture doesn't match with observed reality in a Marxist society. Every communist society on earth it's the Communist Party that does to the people what the Marxist thinks the bourgeoisie is, is doing. So the Marxist thinks he's protecting the bourgeois, you know, the, the, the proletariat, the people. He thinks he's protecting them from the bourgeoisie. In other words, the Marxist thinks that he or she is protecting the have-nots from the haves without ever recognizing that the Marxist is the haves. All they do is replace one group of people with themselves. They're cowbirds. They're leeches. And if you're in the Bible, this is what Satan does, Satan does. He replaces everything God makes with his own perverted version of things. All depends on how you look at it. So if you want to be a cowbird, that other bird's nest looks like your nest. So I'll just go lay my egg there and let him take care of everything for me. The very Marxist of you. Share the burden, never share the responsibility or the duties. All depends on how you look at it, right? Beverly Dalton, is that where the word bourgeois, boogie or whatever came from? No, actually, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> so here's another one. Let's look at it this way. This is an, along the same lines, a capitalist. Described by capitalism, we all get rich, all of us. 
capitalism described by the socialist. The rich gets rich and points a gun at the poor. So he's basically robbing from the poor. Fascism, that's, you know, everybody dies and the rich get rich. You know, the haves get rich. Socialism described by the socialist. Everybody shares the wealth and we're all rich. We don't even need a gun. Socialism described by the capitalist. Well, that's when the have-nots take it from the haves by the point of a gun. And anarchy described by anarchists. None of us have guns or money and we're all happy. I mean, if you can see the picture, you understand. This is all reality from their perspective. How is it that they can all see it that way? Well, that's very easy. If we go back to this picture here, that's because all they're looking at is one piece of that picture right there. This is the education picture again. They're looking at the whole from one perspective. So all they're looking at is talents cultivated by curriculum. Or somebody else might be looking at ideological and political course only. Somebody might be ecological and civilization education. That might be all they're looking at. That's what this picture represents. You're only looking at the big picture, at the objective reality. You're only looking at it from one point of view, one perspective. And that's why you get it wrong. Here's another example. Here's a political spectrum. This is the way most people are taught in school. On the far left wing, you have anarchy, anarchism. That's a form of slavery. And then you have communism and socialism, liberalism. And then as you start, go to the right. And then notice that you call liberalism, you know, that, that, that's a change of definition of liberalism. That's not classic liberalism. But then you have on the right, you have conservatives, then you have monarchies, then you have Nazism, and then you have fascism. That's the left versus right political spectrum. Only it isn't. It's left versus right in Europe. That's not left versus right in the United States, because what are they focusing on there? They're, they're actually what they're focusing on there is what type of control. Is it left control or right control? What wing of the bird, of the control bird, are we talking about? On the left is the red wing, Democrats. On the right is the blue wing, Republicans. And I changed the colors on purpose. Red is a color of fascism and Nazis and socialists and communists. Always has been by their choice, not mine. But in America, the spectrum should look more like this. Totalitarianism versus, you know, total rule versus no rule. So notice they left communism out of this. Fascist and communism is on the left in this diagram, then socialist, then Democrat, then moderate in the middle, then Republican, libertarian, and anarchist on the right. What's the difference? Here, I'm just looking at the left and right of control. Here, I'm looking at the left and right of control again from a different perspective. This perspective is how much control or how little control in society. This perspective is what type of control. So this is a case of we're looking at our cylinder again. Both are correct insofar as they're looking at that position. But if you're looking at what flavor of control versus how much control, you're going to end up arguing at each other if you don't realize that you're both talking about two different things here. That's not two different spectrums, folks. That's two different spectrums because they're focused on two different objects. This isn't two different ways of looking at the same problem. This is two different problems. And you won't see it or understand it if you don't understand the perspective involved. Here's another way of showing the political perspective. This is entirely different. This one here has been drawn up 
to make people feel better because they at least recognize things are bigger and better than that what they used to be and this is hard to explain this is this is an up and down left and right type of perspective this one they did in a circle others will do it in a square but then here's this one they got to give you the key down here on the left this one's real notice that this is all just different ways of looking at the same issue right political spectrums everybody says that these four, four or five graphs are all political spectrums look how different they are this is political party spectrums so it's where does your party lay based on what this can all lead to confusion folks and that's part of our problem in this world this is how we get confused there's an even different one that that's all based on environmentalism that that's a political graph of the of the political spectrum on on futurism versus traditionalism versus decentralization on centralization it's a mess it's a big mess but it's all true from a certain point of view yeah i know this is all boring joe is it is it really okay then just wander off man don't ever worry about these things don't ever think about these things yeah it makes my head hurt joe yeah i got it i understand it does i know that it's work you don't want to work got enough to do joe let me watch tv cool go back to somebody who's distorting your perspective and then wonder why you never understand anything in the world or, or why you're always fighting with others and they never understand it from your perspective because they're doing the same thing you are nobody's ever starting to actually think about these things and then how should they affect my life how do they affect my life now let's really mess this up i mean let's muck this up like nobody's business jack let's throw politics and religion together both left and right are divided over the link between belief in god and morality what it's not necessary to believe in god to be moral 53 percent of america according to this Pew Research poll in 2014. It's necessary to believe in God to be moral, only 45%. What do our founding fathers tell us that we should expect out of this? Well, as soon as a majority of the people lose track of the reality, you're going to lose your liberty. This was, this was almost 10 years ago. What's happened since then? You've lost your liberty. Hello, newsflash for you. Joe, it's only your perspective as to whether or not you need God to be moral. Is it? Hold on to that. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Here's another one. This is political preference of the U.S. religious groups. You would think if you're all Christians or Judeo-Christian at any rate, you'd all be the same. Oh, not even close. Look, the National Baptist Convention is mostly Democrat, but the Southern Baptist Convention is mostly Republican. I thought you're all Baptists. It's all depending on your perspective, right? How about this? You got theists on the left, agnostics, gnostics, and atheists. What? Well, that's just a graph of religious perspectives. And you can have a gnostic theist and an agnostic theist and an agnostic atheist and a gnostic atheist. What? More confusion. And oh, don't forget to throw on top of that all your political spectrums as well. See, here's another graph that's trying to explain what we just looked at. These people look at it differently. They see the world differently. So they, they use more of a, a 
northwest chart like a you know like a xy chassis um axis chart these ones want to use intersecting circles it's all the same thing and look at here this is another chart three political camps and six dimensional moral foundations of space huh let me pop myself out of here so we can read the whole thing look if i care i'm progressive if i'm into groupish loyalty authority and sanctuary i'm a conservative if i'm into fairness i'm a libertarian uh, yeah, uh, somebody needs a new perspective on this. Cause that right there is a mess in my position from where I look at it, you know, but you know, what's my problem. Now I tend to try to look at things from an objective point of view. So, well, how do you know what is objective Joe? We'll get to that. Remember, if I look at the picture long enough, I can tell that the man is carrying the woman. Oh, look, even more ways of trying to figure this out. Theism's on the left. Oh, I thought that was where communists and total control people stand. Well, then you got strong atheism's on the right. Both of these is, you know, based in knowledge, right? Well, yeah, actually, yeah. Knowledge of God on the left, Satan's knowledge on, yeah, I get it. I understand, depending on your point of view. Human focus, material focus, God focus, this is another one. It's the same thing. Same stuff. We're all still trying to figure out how religion puts into everything here. And this is just different ways people are trying to organize these abstract ideas into a, a visual image that they can explain. Ideological, theological spectrums. Oh, this one's even trying to put it into politics, man. Let's look at this. If if I'm a wacko liberal, I'm on the left with the new church. If I'm a liberal, I'm a new Pentecostal. If I'm a progressive, I'm a new springtime whatever. I'm a conservative. I'm humanistic of continuity. And if I'm a traditionalist, I'm circular ambiguities. And if I'm a radical traditionist, errors of the council or whatever. Heck, I don't know. But notice how they did liberal, li wacko liberal, you know, communist, socialist, liberal, progressive, conservative, traditional, blah, 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 blah. These people are all trying to just put this in a visual form to explain abstract thought. Here's another one. It, it's confusion, right? It's all, the, well, no, yes and no. What you're looking at, what you're seeing in all these pictures, all these memes, why did I grab them? What, what, what did I use those for? I did it on purpose. All these people are wrestling in general with the same idea. They're trying to make a visual representation of a hodgepodge of abstract concepts and thoughts they're trying to look at the truth of things and they're trying to organize it now some of them may be talking about different aspects of this underlying you know religious diversity and then you have the people who are looking at the underlying political ideological diversities and then you got some of these people who are trying to show how they blend each other how your religious you know way of looking at the world your particular religion affects your your politics they're all trying to do the same thing. And look, none of them were even close to the same. I mean, some of them, some of the graphs and charts are visually kind of sort of similar, but they're not even close to the same thinking. And it's all different people looking at the same problem, coming up with different aspects of the elephant coming on a board from sailor son. It's working too. And those of us stand firm in our belief in and following Yahweh, we will be considered enemies and must be eliminated by any means necessary. By some of these people? Yes, exactly. But the problem is you're going to have people who think they're standing firm in Yahweh that want to turn around and eliminate the people who want to eliminate them. 
what's one of the problems that's involved here? You know what one of the problems with all of these different graphs is? There were no definitions in any of these things. The definitions never stated. You know what happens when we just start talking about ideas without ever stating the definitions? It's called babble. What? Yeah, babble. We all sound unintelligent to each other. What ends up happening is you have a giant argument of equivocation. Everybody's using the same words. No two people is talking about the same thing. Using the same word, talking about different things. So I don't, if I were to go back to all of these without definitions, I don't know that any of them are even equivocal. I, I, I don't know if I'm comparing apples to apples, oranges to oranges, or if I've actually got nuts, bananas, and, and porcupines. So, Joe, are you gay? Well, not at the moment. The, the cinnamon rolls have worn off. Oh, okay. Are you a faggot? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think I have any sticks with me. Well, it could also be a cigarette butt. That's true, too. Yeah, see. I, if you miss the point he's making, it's all perspective. What, what thing are you assigning the, the label, the word, to? What, what's it describing? Yes, ma'am. And this is why we are not on YouTube today. <laughs> She's right, you know. <laughs> so, let's get back in here. Um, I, I have a quick rabbit for you, though. You know, we were talking about religious diversity. <laughs> look at this rabbit. Very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. Yeah, look at this rabbit. Early Christianity. Look at all those different breaks there. All those different denominations and general schools of thought. Then you got denominations within those denominations, and it all just keeps branching off into a tree. You know what that's called? That's uh, called right there. That's religious entropy. That's the decay of the faith. And as the faith decays, the moral fabric of the community decays. So you know we're just gonna stay on target again here. <laughs> so perspective. Perspective is everything. I'm going to go into something for you real quick, and then we're going to go to the break. I don't know if we'll do the break at the exact top of the hour or a little early, but everything we've done so far was to set up this second half of the class. I'm trying to get you to think a certain way, or at least acknowledge it or be aware of it, so that I can make this next following points. Now is when we're going to start getting into the Founding Fathers, but we're going to get into the Founding Fathers of a whole bunch of different stuff. How many of y'all understand the word zeitgeist? It's a German word. Essentially, it means the spirit of the time, the spirit characteristic of an age or a generation. This is, okay, folks, get ready to say it with me. This is the essence of Woodrow argument that every, the morality of an age is driven by the zeitgeist of the times the general populace and feelings of the times. What, what, are the, what are the feelings of the times, right? That's the zeitgeist. Woodrow Wilson says everything's depending on the time. So what was the zeitgeist of the founding father's time? According to Wilson, they all just wanted to justify their slavery and protect their money. That was very Marxist of him because the zeitgeist of their time literally was religious freedom and liberal rights. And by liberal, I mean individual rights and liberties according to natural law. Why were they focused on that? 
because the individual rights and liberties incorporated your religious freedoms and the rights that they were being denied by King George III as the colonies under their charters. They were not so much worried about preserving their wealth or slavery or any of that because the Declaration of Independence swore their wealth to each other, even if it meant it was going to be destroyed and originally was attacking the, the practice of slavery as one of the things that the king forced on them against their will. No, 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 no. The zeitgeist of the founding father's time was actually about law and order, natural law and natural rights according to the scriptural perspective, not the humanist perspective. So if you want to understand the zeitgeist of their time, you got to go back and look at that. Now, what were they pointing at? They were pointing to eternal, immutable truths. The zeitgeist of their time was to try and find the objective reality of this world. They came into the world at the time of the Reformation and the Great Awakening and all this stuff, you know, at the end of the Reformation, in the end of the Great Awakening, you know, science and all this stuff, right about the time we were starting to get perverted with it. You know, then, then you're having the push with deism and Unitarianism, all this mess. But that was still in Europe. It hadn't quite reached our shores in main force yet. It would do so by the end of their lives. But when this country was founded, the primary focus was on the eternal truths as they understood them by looking at the world and then justifying it up against biblical revealed law. And lo and behold, if you if you bother to look in the perspective of the Bible, natural law and revealed law coincide with each other. They do. They don't go against each other. So for them, for the founding fathers, these founding fathers, that was reality as close as they were going to be able to understand it, and they tried to design a country that operated in accord with that objective reality. They tried to write things in such a way that it was not, it, our country would not bow to men, but it would bow to the rule of law, law as a, according to the natural law, the eternal laws. Then you have these founding fathers. These are the progressives. They're born into a world where the natural law has started to decay and be perverted by men who had become wealthy. They called them robber barons. And what they're reacting to is the corruption within the system when one group of people is much more powerful than the others and starts using its power to squash the weak, something that the founding fathers riled against. They, they spoke against, wrote against it. They tried to design a system to prevent this from happening. So these men rightfully see the injustices growing in a, in a society that was meant to be based on justice, eternal principles of justice, objective justice, justice that exists outside of man's control. These men see it and they come up with their solutions. The problem is they think that they can rewrite the natural laws rather than correcting the system and getting back in line with its original intent. They start redesigning it. So they branch off from those natural laws. They start justifying their own shaping the world closer to their heart's content. That's the progressive movement. But they're dealing with what they perceived, rightly so, in my opinion, as social injustice. From their perspective, you know, the Rockefellers and the Carnegies and all who have so much money, they can literally buy politicians, put them in their pocket, and push the laws to do whatever they want for their big monopolies. I see that as injustice on an eternal scale. So did these men. So I, I agreed with them. From their perspective, I agree with the problem. 
the solutions were wrong, in my opinion. Why? Because their solutions are man-made and do not jive with human nature. They think human nature can be modified. Human nature cannot be modified. Human behavior can be. Those are two different things. These men didn't understand that. From their perspective, human nature and human behavior were one and the same. Behavior was the product of nature. If I can change the way you behave, I've changed the fact that you're, you know, I've changed the human nature. That's not the case. You want proof of that? I'll grab it proof of that for you. And in a very human nature, you're born male. You decide you're going to become a female. You find out, oh, that ain't my way. I'm going to go back to being a male. Did I change your nature three different times? Or did I change your behavior three different times? And by the way, I actually happen to know somebody like this. Personally, I, I, I call him a friend. I never once called him a woman. He and I had that discussion when he was living as a female. I told him it's never going to happen. And he decided he was going to live with that. And we're still friends. And he knows that I frown on his choices in life. He knows my faith. But we, we can still be friends. But I keep that in proper perspective. Okay? He's not a believer. I got that. I know that. He knows I know that. But still, his nature didn't change. His behavior did. These men think that those are the same thing. Wrong perspective. So if you're looking at the problem from the wrong perspective, your solutions are not going to be correct. And that was part of the problem is they looked at it from the wrong perspective. That's what these books are about. This is the progressive era, the search for order by Robert H. Weber or Weiby, I don't know, 1877 to 1920. Search for order to bring order out of chaos. And then on the right, the progressive revolution, how the best in America came to be, the social welfare state. That author considers, Michael Lux considers the social welfare state to be the best of America. I don't. Welfare just cripples people and removes their dignity and puts you under the control of the state. Well, what is control about? If you're going to have order, you have to have what? Control. So instead of trying to control the disorder in society the way the founding fathers of this country did in accordance with the eternal laws of natural law, natural rights, they did it by man's way of looking at things. What's that going to get us? Well, first of all, you need to have empathy for these folks, these progressives. Look at it from their perspective. It was good intentions. They knew people were being hurt. They got that. They understood that. And they were correct. Their solutions hurt even more people. And as they started to get into their solutions, they knew they needed more and more control to make things right. So if I'm going to save the world, I have to have total absolute power. And that's why they justified dictatorship, the exact opposite paradigm of the founding fathers. So the progressive revolution, how the best in America came to be, it's the best from the perspective of the progressive. How do you find objective reality in all of this, Joe? Does the progressive model jive with human nature? No. Well, then they're wrong. Why? Because objective reality is based on what we observe from many perspectives and then what we test so that we can make sure our observation is correct. We don't just assume our first assumption is right. 
we keep getting off center and looking at it from different angles to make sure that we get a clearer picture of this. And when you look at the progressive slash communist solutions, they never work. They cause more harm than good. The progressives chose the wrong solution to the right complaint. Now, how do I know that's true? Well, first of all, we have got to understand that the progressives, remember that big mess I showed you a little while ago about uh, different perspectives from the educational system? What the progressives were dealing with was it wasn't just a quadratic formula. This is a picture of a quadratic equation. It wasn't just quadratic equations. They were doing differential equations with quadratic equations. In other words, really complicated math because they were only looking at one, maybe two pieces of the puzzle, and they never bothered to look at the whole picture. They didn't care. They looked at it only from their perspective, which meant that not only did they have the wrong solutions, they didn't even have the entire problem in view. What, what, what do I mean by that? Okay, they saw disorder as being a problem. Okay, Western forest fires is disorder. We've got to put them out. That's a problem. Only thing is, those forest fires are part of the natural process. The forests out west won't repopulate. They won't grow new trees without the forest fires. A lot of those trees, the, 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 some of the pine trees out there, you need the forest fire to open the pine cones so that the seeds will get out. The, the ecology has evolved or was made, however you want to look at it, whatever your perspective is, was made for the forest fires. They go hand in hand with each other. The forest flyers clear out all the dead wood that helps the health of the forest in general over long term. Just like in the southeast, we have all these hurricanes. The health of the coastlines, the, the shoreline, depends on the, the hurricanes. The hurricanes help the shoreline. They re-nourish them. It, it, the, the weather, what we see as destructive, is part of the natural process, which maintains the health of the ecosystem. So what the progressives looked at, you know, like the, the business cycle, they saw that as a disorder and they wanted to quit it. They wanted to end it. But the business cycle where things boom and crash and then come back again every seven, eight, nine years, almost like on almost like the Shemitah cycle. That's part of the natural order. It does away with monopolies naturally and lets people recreate. It, it, it takes away rich people. It, it protects them. So what the progressive was doing was actually making it possible for the rich to stay rich. They weren't actually helping anything. They weren't helping the poor. And I honestly think some of them knew this. But others, the ones who were sincere in their efforts, what they were dealing with was that. They were dealing with not just a Rubik's Cube, but one of those Rubik's, the bigger ones with all the extra squares. And it's all messed up. They're dealing with that, but they're trying to look at it and explain it as though it was all put together all right where everything was one color on each side. Well, yeah, I got a complicated problem, but look, there's only six sides to it. Oh, no, 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 man, Jack. It's, it's multicolored on each side. They had oversimplified the problem and only focused on their one color so that they got the problems wrong because they didn't do their math all the way through. I have sympathy for them. I, I can offer them grace because I understand their perspective. I know what they were trying to do and I know where and when and how they went wrong. But I also know that Einstein was right. You cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. Because if those same people who do not understand the whole of the problem are trying to fix it, 
their solutions will continue to be wrong. That's all there is to it. It's that simple. Natural law tells me that's true. Now, when we come back, we're going to deal with objective reality. It does exist, and I'll prove it to you. And then I'll show you how perspective can help you. Changing your perspective, getting off your center, help you better see it. You may never get it in a clear focus, but it'll help you see it better. See you in six.
And we're back. Okay, I told you. We've been talking about perspectives. And it all depends on how you're looking at things. But there, there's always, there are people tell you there's no such thing as objective reality. Reality that exists, whether, whether we see it or not. Here's the problem with that. That comment, there's no such thing as objective reality, is a self-defeating comment. Because that's the objective reality. By saying that, you're creating an objective reality. You're affirming it. And that's what happens with people who don't expand their minds. Um, you got to look bigger than what than than that simplistic thing. They think they sound intellectual. They just prove that they're not when they do things like that. It's like, never say never. Well, you just said never. Never say never. It's a self-defeating concept. Let me prove to you that objective reality does exist. Objective reality. First of all, let's go back to the Encyclopedia Britannica here today. We need a definition of perspective, a way of thinking about and understanding something, such as a particular issue or a life in general. You know, the, the way you look at reality, that, that's perspective. But this, remember our picture, the man carrying the woman, the woman carrying the man, blah, 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 blah. It all depends on how you see that picture. That's perspective. But now context is different. They're not the same thing. Context is, I, I chose the second definition here. It's the situation in which something happens. The group of conditions that exists where and when something happens. We need to look at the events with the larger, broader context of world history, the zeitgeist of the time, what's going on in the world at that time. The book puts these events in proper historical and social context, explains that zeitgeist. We need to consider these events in context, according to the zeitgeist, according to what's going on in the world at the time, right? But does does that does the events of the world of the time does that change the objective reality of the world around us? Well, this is a very good picture to illustrate the difference. Perspective is whether or not you're seeing only what's on the TV show. That there's this. This is a picture we've all seen this where the media shows you one thing. It looks like one person stabbing another, but it's actually he's running away and the other one's stabbing him. You know, they, they distort reality by looking by what they do and don't show you on the camera. That's perspective. Are you seeing the, the, the one man on the right chasing the man on the left, or are you just seeing what the camera showed you, or it looks like the guy on the left is the one chasing the guy on the right? Well, what's the greater context then? This is perspective. What, what the truth is depends on what you're seeing, TV or you see the TV people filming it. The context is manipulation of your mind. And the greater context of that is which political paradigm is in control? The one that aligns with natural law, the one that aligns with man is his own God. And the context of that is what controls your heart and mind, the belief in a creator or the belief that there is no creator. Context, context, context. There are at least three layers of context always in every situation. If we never ask about the second two layers, we will never understand the true meaning of this picture. We'll just see the point of, yeah, the media is trying to, dis to distort the reality. You don't see the rest of it. Why are they trying to distort it? It's to suit a political agenda. Most of us know that, but we don't stop to think about it. Well, what's behind the political objective? Your worldview. What's behind your worldview? Your theology. Every time, every time. This thing here, this is just a picture of, you know, equals MC squared and a whole bunch of mathematical drawings and principles, you know, wormholes, et cetera, et cetera. 
the difference in you know measuring the distance to the moon and all this all the good stuff that's physics well where do the laws of physics come from laws of physics are based on observations supported by and gleaned from experimentation we must observe nature to understand it we look for patterns of behavior me and my patterns again we quantify these patterns into mathematical statements formulas that's the physics way putting formulas is a physics way of putting words to objective thoughts you're just assigning a label to represent these patterns in, in the natural world when you continually test these laws to find the limits of their ability not the limits of our applicability whether but what your test is is you keep looking at it from different perspectives to make sure your picture is the same make sure your picture is clear we revise these laws when they fail they didn't fail you got a better perspective of it you got a different perspective you got off your center and you moved and you see it differently so you have to change your equations or you have to change your paradigm your perspective your model the way you understand the world because you see it differently all of those natural laws have proven over and over and over again that e equals mc squared is as best as man can tell the objective reality of this universe we've never disproved this theory we've had to fine-tune it just a little bit tweak it here and there but we've never it, it seems like Einstein gave us general theory of relativity seems to hold up. Now, what has this got to do with everything? The Oracle and the Mystery of the Shemitah, both by Jonathan Kahn. How's that got anything to do with, you know, objective reality, Joe? Well, if you follow the Oracle and you test him, he's going to show you some things that happened on a 50-year cycle in human history every 50 years. And it was the reversal of the fall in the Bible. What's that got to do with objective reality, Joe? Well, that means that the, the, the law of the Jubilee is actually part of the natural law. It would strongly suggest that the Jubilee, that every 50-year cycle, is connected to the natural laws. It enforces itself whether you realize it's happening or not. It's a natural law. It functions in this world. So hold on to that. That happens whether we see it or not, whether we like it or not, but that is in that book. And his documentation, I haven't been able to disprove him. He's been right. You need to read or listen to that one. What's the one on the right? The Shemitah. That's the seven-year cycle. Well, if you go study economics, the boom and crash cycle, the natural boom and crash cycle of, of the free market seems to be about every seven years. Well, guess how long the Shemitah is? seven years how long was your uh, bankruptcy you're allowed to de declare bankruptcy every seven years in this country it's based on the shemitah yes bankruptcy laws in the united states are based on the biblical shemitah the founding fathers said so these seem to be natural laws that are built into this universe so whether we like it or not these laws the gods of the copybook heading will return with terror and destruction, they will assert themselves. That seems to be natural law, objective reality. Well, then these as well. The return of the gods deals with behaviors in human in human human societies, depending on which gods are in control of that society. If you have not heard or listened to or read that book, don't poo-poo this yet until you've until you've followed it. Because this seems to be that the spiritual governance of a people 
is part of the law of this universe. You need to read that one. Whether you're a believer or not, you'd better read that one. And then the one on the right combines the first three that I just showed you. And another one called the paradigm puts them all into one little tight little package so far. And it shows you that these patterns, these biblical patterns that are 35, 4,500 years old, they seem to be remanifesting themselves. Almost it, it, the pattern is identical. It's apples to apples, oranges to oranges. The parallels of the patterns are perfect. In some cases, right down to the days. This is beyond coincidence. You notice how uh, one of the laws of the Bible is that evil has to boast, has to reveal itself. Evil's in charge of Hollywood. Hollywood likes to tell you what's going on in the world through the movies, decades before you find out about it. That seems to be a natural law. If you change your perspective of the biblical world and you look at our world from a biblical perspective, not the perspective that the church teaches, but the one that the Bible itself teaches, you might find that all the things in these four books are part of this natural world's natural laws, natural order, which would mean that it proves this. Just as the laws of physics prove E equals MC squared is true, the natural laws that are represented by those four books proves that the laws in this book, the things that are taught in this book are true. Morality, right and wrong. That's a confusing thing too. What is evil? What's the meaning of evil? What's con integrity? Con con I mean, what's the concept of morality? What are the ethics? What are your standards? What are your values? Well, according to this guy, true morality is doing what is right without the threat of divine retribution or the possibility of divine reward. Okay, right according to who then, sir? Arthur uh, Poladin or whatever right according to who if you don't have a divine authority for what is right and wrong then right according to who well I guess it's according to you right well Ernest Hemingway about morals I know only that what is moral is what you feel good after and what is immoral is what you feel bad after do y'all understand what he just said he says if it makes you feel good it's moral feels good do it so if you're a sociopath it's okay exactly so ted bundy was a moral man and that goes perfect with this because that man doesn't have any way of telling you what is and isn't moral from his perspective morality is based on him from hemingway's perspective morality is based on him now let's just get really really absurd with this that's a moral thought right there I love the smell of napalm in the morning. This is from Apocalypse Now. Now, if you've never seen this scene in the movie, it might think, well, that's okay. It's war, Joe. But what you got to understand is they start a battle and kill people simply because they want to go surfing. They start a battle and they napalm and kill a whole bunch of people simply because that character there in the middle of the picture wanted to go surfing. That's immoral, man. Even in the middle of war, to kill people just so you can go surfing? Is that right? Made him feel good. I guess that's right in his world. Y'all understand what I'm trying to tell you? If it feels good, that's moral. Ted Bundy's a good guy. Jeffrey Dahmer, good guy. 
moral guy because you know you don't have any objective reality of what's right and wrong the problem here that we have in our world is that there are people today that believe that because you know there's no objective reality and as soon as they told them themselves there's no objective reality they can do whatever they want to do you know what they're actually saying when they say there's no objective reality they're saying there's no creator there's no god and if there's no God, then there is no such thing as an objective reality. If there's no objective reality, there's no such thing as morality. And if there's no morality, there are no restrictions on what you do in this world. They're justifying hedonism, licentiousness. And that, by definition, is depravity. But then again, if there's no morality in the world, then there's no objective reality then it doesn't matter what the definition is because that's not objectively true either. Which means that the, the saying that there's no objective, no objective reality, that's nihilism. We've been doing shows on nihilism, destruction, chaos. That person has aligned with chaos. So there's no truth for that person. So if there's no objective reality... It, then then there, there's no such thing as truth. Well, how the heck does that person ever know what is good and what is evil? Well, how do they even acknowledge that such a thing as good and evil exists? How does that person even function? If there's no objective reality, how do they, why, why are they even bother talking? There is a Greek school of philosophy known as the skeptics. It's ancient. It goes back to several hundred years before Christ. And they, they believed this stuff, that there was no objective reality, and they proved, went out to prove it. So I'm, I'm not going to worry about that lion. He doesn't really exist. Lion ate him. Another guy would be like, well, I'm not going to worry about that cliff. You know, the cliff doesn't really <clears throat> fell and killed himself. Well, I don't need to eat. That's all just, that, that, there's no objective reality to that. Starves to death. They literally died out. It was a cult, that's, and they literally died out. And then a few of them woke up and decided, well, wait a minute, there is an objective reality. Man has tried this stuff. There's nothing new under the sun. So where we think we've advanced, we're just decaying, social decay in full force here, folks. Comment on the board, and we wonder why mental health issues are on the rise by Natasha. Well, don't forget, the psychiatry school of thought thinks that they're there in charge to control the way people think. So what's this get us to? The morality mirror. <laughs> You've heard me use that term before. I'm not the only one that thinks that way. Look, man, they made it. Got my found myself a meme. They're quoting First Timothy verses one eight. First uh, Timothy chapter one verses eight through eleven, which simply says, and I'm using the NASB Bible. It says, "But we know that the law is good. Torah, teachings of God, if one uses it lawfully." Oh, Charlie. <laughs> it says, realizing the fact that law is not made for righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and the sinner, for the unholy and the worldly, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, and for murderers, for sexually immoral, homosexuals, slave traders, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, with which I have been entrusted. Kingdom of 
kingdom of God, kingdom of Yahweh, that's gospel. And why do you need a law for the righteous? They already do what's right. According to who? Well, they're doing what's right according to God, the, the king of the kingdom. The law is for those who will not obey the king. You got to have a law in place so that you can justify punishing them. It's also how you identify who are not part of the a part of the kingdom. So that's the morality mirror. Are you one of the ones that needs the law or not? Well, perspective is everything again, right? Remember? So do we want to go with the feels good, do it crowd? Or do we want to go with the there is such thing as right and wrong in this world? Which crowd do you want to go with? Well, I've got two other passages for scripture for you. This is Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Judging others. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. And most Christians quit reading there. Keep going. It says, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. There's grace, folks. Treat your neighbor as you wish to be treated. If you want to be given much leniency, you offer much leniency yourself toward others. If you want to be understood, you need to try to understand them first. If you want them to listen to you, you need to listen to them first. It says, in the way you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. You'll be judged according to the way you judge others. Well, if you never bother to look at your neighbor's perspective, you're going to get judged harshly because you are judging harshly. You're going to get judged unjustly because you are judging unjustly. Verse 3, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye and look, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, pretend actor. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Typical ancient Near East thinking. He's not saying don't judge, even though he says don't judge. He's saying, learn to judge righteously. Luke 6, 41 through 42. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. How many of us are worried about the morality mirror? How many of us even understand what the heck it is? What do I mean? How many of us care? I attack progressives all the time. Bongino does. Beck does. Um, um, Rush did when he was still alive. I mean, we attack them all the time. To the best of my knowledge, I've never heard any of them acknowledge the fact that the progressives do have a heart, or at least the founders did. They were identifying real problems. They did seem to, or many of them did seem to sincerely want to try and fix those problems. How many people extend any of that grace to the progressives in our world today? Instead, we see them as nothing but enemies. I see them as people who need to change their perspective and look at the whole picture, not just the part of the elephant they've grabbed onto. Yes, you might see suffering and you think, okay, well, it's because the rich have and the poor don't. Well, what happens if I eliminate the rich from society? Same thing that happens if I eliminate fire from the Western world, the Western part of the United States. The forests will die. Well, if I eliminate the rich, the people die. 
That's what the book Atlas Shrug is all about. When Atlas shrugs, the people will die because they serve a function in society. The founding fathers understood that. It's part of natural law. So they tried to create a society based within the confines of the natural law so that they could afford to have the rich, but in a way that replaced them every so often so that nobody came, became big enough to be a Rockefeller and become a threat. That's what the inheritance laws were all about. And the way they were originally written guaranteed that if your father amassed a lot of money and you could not match his business acumen, you'd get poor and that wealth would be redistributed within society. They also did not allow living trusts. They did not allow the dead to dictate to the living. All of this is stuff we do today. It's all contrary to natural law. The perspective you look at is going to govern everything in the way you work in the world. But is your perspective looking for objective reality? And does your perspective ever bother to examine yourself first? Because like I said earlier in the show, if we're on that truck going down that road on the side of the mountain, we can choose to look at the gloomy rocks or we can choose to look at the sunny valley. You can choose to be a good person or a bad according to who or what. You can choose to be a good person according to your own will, but then you have to realize that you are a God unto yourself. Or if you're one of these ones who never wants to listen to the opinion of others, I've been accused of that a lot. It's not true. It's just that most people don't realize I've heard their opinion before. So as soon as they start to explain it, I'm like, yep, I know where this is going. And that's because I've dealt with a lot of people in my life. I really have. And I've noticed there's patterns in all of us, every one of us. So are you a God unto yourself? Because if you are, I don't have a lot to do with you. I don't recognize you as a God. Will you listen to the opinions of others? If you don't, if you just won't, you're declaring yourself to be your own God. You don't need anybody else. Or do you realize that there's a higher authority in this world? Do you bow to it? Do you acknowledge it and say, okay, your will, not mine? Because of an authority, we call it natural law. But for there to be a law, there had to be a lawgiver. And a lawgiver denotes personhood. Nature doesn't give law. Nature is the result of law. So who are you going to be today? You, you got to choose. Choose this day. Who are you going to serve? Which leaves me to ask, how's your spiritual warfare going? Because that's what this entire class has been about. What team are you going to choose? Choose the side of law and order, righteousness. Well, okay, yeah. Righteousness according to who? Is it going to be according to the progressives? Is it going to be according to you? Is it going to be according to your denomination of the church? Because i got a little newsflash for you folks. If you're a denomination, you're not part of the church of the Bible. The church of the Bible had a name, The Way. And we're not talking Mandalorians. Basically, Torah, the path, the teachings. And what's taught in the visible church today has got very little to do with what's in that Bible. What's your perspective? All up to you. 
Charlie, I did it again. I wound myself down before the show was over. Yeah, you did. I don't have anything else for you, folks. Not today. We're going to let class out a little early this, this weekend. You know, go party. <laughs> it's Friday. It's Friday. Finally, Friday. Quack, quack. It, that goes back to a, forget it. <laughs> it's something that a local radio station did. Um, Monday is going to be a little bit different, Manic Monday. That'd be a good one. I think you'll all love this. Tuesday, I'm going to give you a bonus scripture study. We're going to cover the prophetic language. Now, if you've never been one of these people who dives into the Bible, you don't like the Bible, you don't want to miss this one. There is such thing as a prophetic language, and the Bible defines it. It's a symbolic language, but the Bible does define it. And if you understand the prophetic language, a lot of prophecy is much easier to understand. So we're going to go over the prophetic language on Tuesday. I need to do that because Wednesday I'm going to tighten everything up from the series we just finished on Wednesdays. Next Thursday, we're going to need a lighter day. We just got to find ourselves a fantasy, some sort of conspiracy. You know what? We might talk about Daryl, Mothman, and UFOs. Man, we might go full Art Bell on Thursday. Yes. Oh, we're finally getting the Mothman. <laughs> That'd be fun. Sweet. So we might have to do that. And then next Friday, we might have to go back home to mama for me. You know, we might have to talk about some more fallacies and mistakes and logic and how to how to evaluate things. I got I gotta go run home and 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 back to home base a little bit. You see, most talk shows of this nature, when they get stuck, they just bring up the headlines and talk about what's in the news. We can't do that here. I mean, we could, but that's not, that's not our format. So whenever I get stuck or I needed to break or whatever, we're going to run back home to mama, man. We're going to deal with conspiracies and logic because that's, that's, that's just where I live. You know? Of course, now, if you've been around any length of time, when I bring you a conspiracy, <laughs> there's a member of the class who will tell you that I'm his favorite conspiracy theorist, but he hates me. And I asked him, why do you hate me? He says, because you don't bring me, you bring me conspiracies, but there's no theory in any of it. He's like, I'm getting sick and tired of this. You keep popping my bubbles and stomping on my toes. Hey, sailor son, he needs some steel toe twos, shows, shoes as well. And you know who he is. You, you, you know who he is, sailor son. So help him out. Buy him a pair when you go to the store. <laughs> All right, folks. Yes, ma'am. So, uh, when are we going to cover Nessie and Chupacabras? No, we can do all of that next of Thursday. Stuff. We can we can just go full paranormal xenophobes. Shoot, yeah. <laughs> Get all your super xenomorph creature stories ready to go for next Thursday, man. We're just going to go full art bell with that stuff next Thursday. Yeah, just send them in the comments. Yeah, put, put them in the put them in the comments or send us an email on Rumble if you're going to do it. So yeah, we we're going to have a good old fun with this, man. We're even going to tackle werewolves, <laughs> the vampires. vampires. Yeah, we got to get into vampires. We're gonna we'll werewolves, just werewolves, vampires. We're it'll be Halloween before the thirtieth, man. <laughs> so, all right, we love each and every one of you. Thank you for being here. For those of you who are. Um, like what we're doing, please share the show. You got to share it directly. The social media has been throttling us. We know that for sure. We've we've already seen some weird stuff going on in the show this week. Apparently, all of y'all have left us this week. Nobody's watching us anymore. I mean, we went from hundreds to nobody. <laughs> Don't worry. We're not worried about the numbers yeah. anymore. We're going to do this if there's only one of you that like what we're doing. It, it's okay. We're not doing this for people or ratings. We just look at the numbers and we laugh at it because we know 
we have ways of knowing that there's something going on here. This is just not right. It's a, it, it doesn't observe, doesn't match with what we observe and we know what's going on, but that means you've got to share this directly with whoever send them the link in a, in a personal message of some sort. Um, and also when you do that, you do kind of have to warn them about me. You know, you guys know that I'm rough around the edges. You have to let them know that this show is, it's an acquired taste, man, not just me, but the show itself. But if you've been with us any length of time, those of you who have been with us for a while, you know there's value in what we're doing here. It builds on itself. And I hear from you all the time that when you first started, you thought I was a kook. I got that. And that's because I'm a charter member of kooks, keepers of odd knowledge society. But when you stick with me for a while, you keep running into, dang it, man. He, he proved that. To, oh, dang it, man. Dang it, man. Dang it, man. I hear that out of Natasha all the time. Dang it, man. Because when I tell her something, she doesn't even bother going to look anymore. It's because it's a waste of her time. You know that what I bring you, I've checked on. I may not always be right, but I have good reason to believe that I am. So, and I'm I'm correctable. Show me where I made a boo-boo. We'll make a big deal out of that. So, otherwise, you know, if nothing else, hit the like buttons, man. That, that gives us direct, immediate feedback. We know that you're liking what we're doing. And if you are of the mind and you can afford to do so, please go to the donut page also known as a donate page, buy us a box of donuts. We'd love it if you set it up to just buy us a, you know, half a dozen donuts or a coffee a month, $5 a month. We're starting to get close to the point where if I get another dozen of you or so that'll help us with this, we might actually be able to be at the point where we're breaking even here soon. Um, it, I, I thank each and every one of you who are donating. I do, man. I love each and every one of you. We've picked up a few extra, extra supporters this month. Thank you. Thank you. All I want to be able to do is cover the bills. That's it, man. I mean, if we don't get money, that's okay. This is not about making money. It isn't. Never will be. This is about serving our fellow man, serving God by serving you. And we love each and every one of you. We wish you a happy and safe weekend. We'll see you back Monday. Shalom, everybody.